Well, hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. And it is good to see you guys this morning. I am excited to be kicking off a series on Psalm 23 with you today. We're going to be taking this one verse at a time. That's how much there is inside of Psalm 23 that we can unpack just one verse per week. And I think out of all the 1,189 chapters that are found in the Bible, the most famous of all is Psalm 23. Right, Believers and non-believers alike, they know this psalm. It's brought massive amounts of comfort to those who are hurting. St. Augustine put it this way. He said that this is the martyr's hymn because so many Christian martyrs recited Psalm 23 and then they went to their deaths as they were being tortured for Jesus Christ. President Abraham Lincoln often referred to this psalm when he was dealing with his own set of depression during the Civil War. And then likewise, George W. Bush recited it to a world who was hurting and broken on September 11th of 2001. This psalm has brought hope to the hopeless, it has brought rest to the weary, joy to the lonely, and love to the brokenhearted. You know, this was actually my great-grandmother's favorite psalm. And she had it open. A lot of times she had a Bible that was sitting out, and Psalm 23 was one of those that was always there. Didn't understand it a lot when I was a kid, but I'm stoked that it's now buried in my heart that I get to now see what this psalm talks about. And personally, it's really brought me to a place where I can learn to say this phrase, that it is well with my soul no matter the situation. Right? It is well with my soul, no matter the situation. And that's what I want to share with you inside of this series of messages. Would you say that phrase with me today? It is well with my soul, no matter the situation. Right? We're going to be learning to say that even though, and we're going to hear that phrase a lot as well, even though the world around me is crumbling, Right, even though my life seems to be in shambles, even though I got this cancer diagnosis, Right? Even though my, my husband or my wife or my kids are not following the Lord. Right? Even though, as uh, one of my favorite quotes from Dumb and Dumber, even though our pets' heads are falling off, that we can still learn to say, it is well with my soul, no matter the situation. And I can have true peace and true shalom, not because of who I am or because of what I've done, but because of who God is and because of who and everything that he has accomplished. It's about learning to say that even though my circumstances may not change, God can change us in those circumstances, right? He can change us in these good situations in life, absolutely, but it's more often than not that the difficult times really bring refinery to our lives. And that's what we're going to be looking at as we unpack Psalm 23 in this series. Just a little background information for you. Psalm 23, it was a song. 
It was written by King David, who actually used to be a shepherd as well. And this is probably his most famous song of all, right? He's got some other good ones, but this song was his chart topper. It's like if you go to a concert and, and this band you want to see, maybe you know all of their songs, but they had better play that one song, right? We all have that one song that that band had better play, or if they don't, I'm going to leave them a bad Facebook review. And then I did it, right? We get mad at those guys if they don't play that one song. This would be David's song that people would be mad if he didn't sing at his concert, right? Pastor Louis Giglio, he said that this song is actually the soundtrack to victory. And I love that. Right? This is a song that he cannot not play. And it's very popular, but it's also extremely powerful. And I believe part of that power comes from who King David was. Right? He started out as a shepherd, a job that was so low that his own dad, when he was asked about who his sons were, his dad didn't even bring his name up. We see in Psalms and other portions of Scripture that David was a man who had these really high highs and these really low lows in his life, right? There would be times when he was king of the world and he was top dog, but there was other times he was feeling like he was thrown in a trash heap and he was just the mangy dog, right? There would be people who would say, singing David's praises, they would say, man, Saul has slain his thousands, but look at David, his tens of thousands that he's slain. And then he would turn around, not following the Lord, and be taken over by his enemies. Right? There are times when David would be so happy with what's going on that he was dancing around in his underwear before the Lord. And then there'd be times, just like the psalm previous to this, Psalm 22, where he's saying the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? David, through all of that, was always known as the man after God's own heart. And I gotta tell you, I'm a man that usually takes after David's heart, right? I feel like I've had a lot of those high highs and low lows in my life, and I'm just thankful that God knows this and he understands this and that he had David's life written down so that we can know that we're not alone in those struggles and in those hard times. I'm sure a majority of us have at least heard portions or pieces of this psalm at some point in our lives, Right, it's usually something that we see on sympathy cards or, or headstones, read at funerals, and I can see why. It has brought massive amounts of comfort in those hard times. Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He said, it has charmed more griefs to rest than all the philosophy of the world. And so to kick off this sermon series each week, we're going to read Psalm 23 to bury that into our hearts. And I want to challenge you that if you're here with us today, or if you're watching online, that you would also memorize this psalm as we walk through this week after week so that you can have it at any time to remember who God is and what his promises say in Scripture. So let's read this together. We're going to be reading from the CSB version. Okay, let's read this together. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, for this psalm that has touched so many people's lives. Lord, I'm thankful that it brings comfort, that it brings hope, that it brings healing. And Lord, that these are promises that you give to us. God, thank you for being who you are. Thank you for today. And God, I pray that this sermon would meet people where they're at. But God, more importantly, that you would do your work and your will would be done here above all else. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today's sermon is titled, My God is My Everything. Would you say that with me too? My God is my everything. That's what we're going to be walking through today as we go through Psalm 23, verse 1. And we're going to find out that God is everything that we could ever need. And that's why we can in turn say, it is well with my soul, no matter the situation. There's a story of this little kid in Sunday school. I don't know if you've heard this before. Uh, but the Sunday school teacher had given the kids an assignment. And the assignment was to memorize Psalm 23 before next Sunday. And what they were going to do, they were going to come up on stage, they were going to recite it together, and it was going to be a, a joyous time of memorizing Scripture. Well, little Bobby, he had a really hard time memorizing anything, let alone portions of Scripture. And so uh, it comes next Sunday, and the house is packed. You would think it's an Easter Sunday. There was standing room only, the little kids are up on stage, and then the teacher goes over and he says, okay, little Bobby, it's your turn. And he walks up to the microphone, and he's shaking like a leaf on a tree. He's just swinging sweating bullets. He gets up there and just shouts out, just blurts this out. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I need to know. And he runs and he hides behind one of the other kids. <laughs> you know, little Bobby isn't wrong, right? The Lord is his shepherd. And even if that is all that he knows and that's what he lives by, then he's got a lot more figured out than a lot of us do, right? So let's read this first verse again. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. Man, it is crazy how much is packed into just 10 words in this verse. So what we're going to do is we are going to start with this first portion here, the Lord. You know, I heard someone say this once. They said all 112, or depending on the version you're reading, 115 words that follow this psalm are really David's way of just expounding on these first two words, the Lord. Right? So that's what we want to start with today is the Lord. And what we're going to find in this passage is that, number one, we have a shepherd who is eternal. So if you're taking notes, go ahead and write that down. Number one, we have a shepherd who is eternal, right? This Lord that David is talking about is eternal. You see how all the letters are capitalized right there in the Lord? That's the covenant name for God representing that he is the self-existing one. Right? Meaning that he has always been and he will always be. He has never not been around. Right? He's had no beginning. He's had no end. This, this God, this Lord that he's talking about is infinite. Right? The Lord is eternal. Psalm 90 verse 2 says it this way. Before the mountains were born and before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from eternity to eternity, you are God. 
right? He has been here from eternity to eternity. And then we read in Exodus 3.14, Moses is out in the desert and he comes across this bush that's on fire, but it's, it's not just burning away, it's continuing uh, to stay in this flame. And finally he realizes this is God and God's telling him, hey, go back to Egypt, free these people. Moses is like, okay, but who do I tell people that you are? They're gonna think I'm crazy for this. And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. That I am right there. That is Yahweh, the covenant name of God, the eternal Lord. It's showing his eternal state that he was, that he is, and that he is to come. So not only do we see that he's eternal, but we also see that the Lord is powerful. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He is sovereign, which means that he is supreme over all. Right? This is the same God that breathes out planets and galaxies and solar systems into the universe. And then this God desires relationships. So what does he do? He takes that same breath of power and breathes it into the first man that we call Adam. That's impressive. That's very powerful. Right? Acts chapter 4, this is the, the birth of the church. You're seeing miracles and healings going on. And people, when, when the people had heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. Right? This God that they're talking about, he creates something out of nothing. How many times can we do that? Yeah, never. It doesn't happen. We have to take wood or nails or screws or wood glue to make something. God simply speaks, and it's created. That's how powerful he is. Likewise, we read in Jeremiah 32, 17, O Lord God, you yourself made the heavens and the earth by your great power. And with your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for you. Right, this Lord we're talking about, he is massive in all ways, in power, wisdom, might, and authority. Right, you name it, he's the best at it. But Here's what's interesting. What comes directly after this powerhouse of a name? Right? The Lord is my persecutor. No, oh, the Lord is my jailer. The Lord is this often the distance creature who hates me and actually wants nothing to do with me. Not at all. It says the Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. So now we get to take a, this picture of this God who in many times is referenced in these spectacular terms, like the terms that we had just read. But this term shepherd doesn't really bring majesty to thought, does it? Right? Shepherd instead brings to mind care and closeness. It communicates a level of intimacy that God has with his people. So not only do we have a shepherd who is eternal, but we also have a shepherd who cares. We have a shepherd who is eternal, and we have a shepherd who cares. A shepherd who cares for us. So now, if God is my shepherd, though, what does that make all of us? A bunch of dumb sheep. Right? Thanks, God. I feel good about myself now. Did you know, I was looking up some, some interesting facts about sheep. Did you know that they, uh, they have such bad eyesight that they will start following each other, and if they get to a cliff and they're just not sure, they'll just try and jump over it. And they'll jump, and then they'll follow the other one, the other one will follow. They'll just keep jumping off a cliff because they have no idea what's going on. 
right? I saw a video that there was a sheep, he was backed in this corner, and then in front of him was a squirrel kind of shaking his fist at him. So the sheep was being bullied by a squirrel, okay? Real brave, good job, sheep. And they simply will not pick their heads up to look and see where they're at. If they're eating or drinking water, they'll just keep looking around, then all of a sudden they'll look up and, oh, I'm lost. They keep their heads down because they're more carried about, or they're, they care more about their stomachs than they do about where they are. You know, I saw a video the other day of sheep in action, and uh, I, I thought you might want to see this, so check out this video. The extra scream at the end set it off. I, I could have stopped it earlier, but but I couldn't, you know. Yeah, so that's what God likens us to. So if you felt good about yourself this morning, you just got taken down a peg. I know I did. <laughs> Man, sheep are just not intelligent animals, right? They are defenseless. They are dependent upon their shepherd for everything, right? Food, water, shelter, protection. And by being so dependent upon their shepherd, do you know what that actually makes them do? It makes them live and walk by faith in their shepherd. And likewise for us, we are also to be dependent on the shepherd, and when we are, that makes us walk by faith. So if we are sheep and he is our shepherd, being dependent on the shepherd makes us walk by faith as well. We are called to do this in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, where it says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Ephesians actually tells us that it's by grace through faith that we are actually saved from hell and damnation and destruction. Galatians turns around and tells us that faith actually justifies us. It makes us right before the Lord so that the Lord so that we are not counted guilty before him. Right? That's the kind of faith that sheep have in their shepherd. And when David turns around and says, "Guess what, Lord? I am a sheep and you are my shepherd. I trust that you will provide everything that I need." And I love this part. David makes the shepherd personal. Did you see that? He said, "The Lord is my Shepherd. He didn't say that the Lord is a shepherd. He makes it personal. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And there's 18 different times in this psalm that he uses uh, terminology like that. I, me, my. That's great. He's making the shepherd personal, showing that the Lord is his shepherd and that we can have the Lord as our shepherd. This makes us ask a question, though. Do you know God like this? Do you know God as your shepherd? Or do you just know some stuff about God? Right? Do you trust him with your full life? Do you follow your shepherd? Right? The great thing is, is that if you don't know your shepherd, you can know God like this. And he, more importantly, he wants you to know him and experience him as the shepherd of your life. Right? We have a society and a world today that is just so anxiety-stricken, depression-jammed, nervous-filled, right? that we should and we can live in dependence upon our shepherd because he is the provider, he is the protector, 
And we should be 100% dependent upon the good shepherd. And you see, we put that word good in there. Why? Because Jesus came on the scene in John 10 and said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You guys, by trusting in Jesus above all else, we are in the fold now of the good shepherd. By saying, you know what, Jesus, yeah, I, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've fallen. I know just like sheep, I have gone astray. But I trust you when you say you laid down your life for me and I wanna follow you. I wanna live for you, Lord. It's by admitting those sins and our wrongdoings before God that he forgives us and welcomes us into the family and brings us in. You know what that's called? That's the gospel. That is the gospel of Jesus. You know, there's a parable that really parallels all of this in Luke chapter 15. And what it does, it describes how good of a shepherd Jesus actually is. And what's going on, I'll give you some context here. The, the first verse says that, you know, the Pharisees, they're all mad, they're up in arms, that Jesus is eating and drinking with sinners, when really he was down there just trying to show them God's love and show them God's goodness. Right? He was exercising what we read in Romans 2, 4, where it says that the kindness of God will actually lead people to repentance. Right? These people, these sinners that Jesus was hanging out with, man, they needed to know the gospel. They needed to know about salvation, and Jesus was doing that. He was trying to bring them life. Right? He, brings, he was bringing the truth of God, like we read in 1 Peter 3. He was bringing the truth and standing firm for it with gentleness and respect. But the Pharisees were so blinded by their self-righteous anger, so Jesus tells them a little story to hopefully get through their thick heads. And it goes something like this. Jesus says, what man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it. And when he found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. And I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need repentance. I know some of you are kind of like me. It's, it's hard to understand the sheep talk all the time, right? So, so let's break it down this way. Let's look at it this way. There's a father, right? And the father has five children who are asleep in their home. And all of a sudden, the smoke detectors go off, right? The father wakes up. He finds the house filled with smoke. And he hears the sound of flames and crackling timber that's coming nearer and nearer to their doors, he wakes up panicked. He races to the kids' bedrooms. He's calling to some of the older ones and grabbing up the, the younger ones, trying to get them out of the house. And then he bolts out the door, goes across the street to the neighbor's yard, lays the kids down in the grass. And after he starts coughing, getting some of the smoke out, wiping his eyes, he starts counting to make sure he's got all of his kids. He says, okay, number one, there's, there's right there's little Tim. And number two, there's, there's Sally, great. Three, there's Angel. Four, there's Vanessa. And, and then he stops and says, but where's Lily? Right? He's missing his youngest, little three-year-old Lily. Four of his children are safe and one is not. What does a good father do? Well, guess what? God is a good father. He counts his kids. 
He rejoices that some are safely found in Christ, prepared for eternity and nestled near his heart, but some are missing. It's like, oh man, where's Stephen? You know, where's, where's Aaron? Where's Dave? Where's Dan? You know, the father sent Jesus on a rescue mission to seek and save the lost. That's Luke 19, verse 10. Jesus came on a rescue mission to seek and save the lost. God didn't abandon those 99 who were safely in the fold, right? They were already safely in his kingdom, being attended by his angels and being guided by his Holy Spirit. But his heart aches for those who are not yet found in the fold. So what's the good shepherd doing? The good shepherd pursues the lost sheep. He calls to them. He's allowing circumstances into their lives designed to make them look up. You remember what we talked about, how sheep have their heads down so often, and this is us, right? We're looking around, we have our heads down, and all of a sudden something happens, and it causes us to look around and say, God, where am I? I have wandered, I am lost, and Lord, I need you. Right? He's not just a good shepherd, but we got to remember, he is also the good shepherd, Right? And the good shepherd knows his sheep and he calls them by name. The good shepherd says that we are his own and that actually that we belong to him as well, which is a wild term to think we belong to the Lord. Right? Today, if I was to go down and purchase a sheep, that poor thing would probably be dead in a week because I don't know the first thing about taking care of sheep. But if I was to go down, what would I do to get a sheep? I would go down and I would purchase one and I would own it. It would be my property, right? But that thing would be solely dependent upon me for food, water, shelter, and protection, right? It may get on my nerves that the sheep wants to follow me around all the time, But that's not the way it is with the good shepherd because not only do we belong to the good shepherd, but because that that means we belong with the good shepherd. And that's where he wants us. He purchases us with the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ. He saves us, he takes us, but moreover, he wants us with him, walking with him, following him. That is who our shepherd is. So not only do we have this shepherd who is eternal and a shepherd who cares for us, but lastly, we have a shepherd who supplies all of our needs. Number three, we have a shepherd who supplies all of our needs. Take a look at what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. And I want you to notice this. It says that I have what I need doesn't always say, I have what I want, does it? Right? But it's always what we need. And I've told you this, guys. I've I've told you this before, but I I struggle with this one because I tend to like stuff. Right? I see that there's a new guitar model that comes out. It's like, oh, I want that. Right? Or I see, I've really picked up golfing, and I see, oh, there's a new driver out there that's supposed to, you know, make my ball go straight instead of cutting to the right all the time, and it's going to drive it 400 yards. Yeah, I want that driver, happy Gilmore style. I see a new piece of tech gear that's out there. Man, I want that. 
But if you go back old school style, that, that I have what I need, it also says, I shall not want. I'll tell you, my next tattoo is going to be probably right here. It's just going to say, I shall not want. So every time I go to pay for something, I'll be, oh, <laughs> just put that right back there. You know, I shall not want because the good shepherd provides everything that his sheep need. Everything that they want, though, is it's probably not good for them, right? I've got two kids. Uh, my daughter, her name's Quinn. She's going to be three next month. And my son, his name is Radic, and he just turned one in April. But my, my daughter, she's, she's very fluent with her words and her vocabulary. But every night that we cook dinner, we say, okay, Quinn, come to the table. It's time for dinner. She looks at us and says, I want ice cream. Every night. I'm like, yeah, I don't blame you, but, but we got to eat this, you know. Every night she wants ice cream. Every night she asks for ice cream for dinner. And every day for lunch, she wants a popsicle for lunch. And every day for breakfast, she wants cake or a donut. Especially when we come to church, that's the first thing. We're going to church? I want a donut. Okay, you got it. No, to give her those things all the time, always giving her what she wanted, that wouldn't be good for her. So instead, what do we do? We give her what she needs, fruits, veggies, meats, grains. And then, of course, when all that's gone, then it's time to chow down on ice cream. You betcha. She always goes, extra sprinkles, please. Puts that finger up just like that, too. <laughs> extra sprinkles, please. You got it. But in the same way, the good shepherd doesn't always give us what we want because it's not good for us. But he always promises to provide what we need. And that church should bring forth true contentment in our lives. Right? We can be content knowing that we have everything we need in our shepherd. Maybe it's not all we want. Or maybe we even have things that we really don't want. But it's always going to be what we need. Because the shepherd who is the Lord provides our needs. Now, there are many things that God does want us to have, though, right? But it may just not be the time, right? It's a timing thing. We don't want to run ahead of God. And there's a good example of this in the prodigal son, right? The prodigal son, uh, he, he had a father who had this inheritance for him. And the son goes up to his dad and says, hey, give me that inheritance right now, right? It's my money, and I need it now. That's what he wants, and then he goes off, the dad gives him the money, he goes off, and he's just living it up, right? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. He's doing exactly what he wants to, or so he thought. He thought that is what he wanted for a moment. Because after he swindles all of this, he comes home, head down, sulking, and the father sees him out in the distance. And what does he do? He, he runs to him, and he says... What the heck are you doing here? Get out of my sight. I hate you. You were a mistake. No, that's not what he says at all. No, instead, the father, he gets excited. He runs to his kid. He wraps him in a hug, gives him, gives him a kiss. He fetches the robe of royalty. Then he has a barbecue with one of their big fatted cows. And they throw a party in his honor because guess what? Because his son came home. This mirrors the lost sheep that gets found and brought back home, doesn't it? Right, and you may need to hear this today. Maybe you've been away from God for a while. Maybe you're not walking with him. 
But I want you to know that when you come home to the Lord, he throws a party for you. He doesn't beat you up with the past. He doesn't keep beating you over the head with what you did or how far away you've been from him. No, he doesn't hold your mistakes against you. He doesn't throw the sins that you've committed against you because when you come to him in repentance, he lavishes you with all that you need and that church will bring true contentment. So what I wanna do is I wanna leave you with a question today. I want you to fill in this blank here. Who or what is your shepherd? Who or what is your shepherd? Because even if you think you don't have one, the truth is we all do. We all have a shepherd. Your shepherd is whatever you build your life upon. And I think for some of us, it's work. You fill in the blank here. Work is my shepherd. Maybe it's, maybe it's your feelings. Maybe you just uh, live on your feelings and then they guide you into some pretty harsh situations, right? Feelings are my shepherd. Well, maybe it's politics or political leaders, right? Maybe you're saying Donald Trump is my shepherd or maybe you're saying Joe Biden is my shepherd. Maybe it's bad relationships. Right? Maybe you crave power and pride, Being in nature, hunting is my shepherd. Fishing is my shepherd. The mountains are my shepherd. Sports are my shepherd. Maybe it's your family, your mom, your dad, your kids. Everyone has something or someone that they look to for shepherding qualities. And those qualities are this. We all desire to be led, to be fed, to be protected, and to be motivated. I'll say those again. We all desire at our core to be led, to be fed, to be protected, and to be motivated. But everything and everyone other than Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, who came to seek and save the lost, will fall short. It will fall short It's only when we say like David here at the beginning, when we say the Lord is my shepherd, that we can turn around and finish like David did when he said, I have all that I need or I shall not want. Right? I have what I need. Remember this today, church. My God is my everything. Say that like you mean it. My God is my everything. Right? Take that with you today as you go. Show the world that the Lord is your shepherd. You have what you need because it's only Jesus, the good shepherd, who can provide all that you need in life and in the life to come. So follow him. And if you haven't already, make Jesus your shepherd today. Thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com, and hit the Give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information. Hey, God bless you guys, and have a great day.